And we are live. Hello and welcome to this week's Billy Life Friday, or maybe you're listening to this on the Body I Love You podcast. Either way, I'm happy to hang out today. I'm joined by Leah Horton, who is a Body I Love You coach herself, as well as a health at every size slash anti-diet health coach and just a, a normal guest on the pod. How are you today, Leah? Good. Always happy to be here and get to have fun conversations with you. <laughs> Likewise. I always love, I know before this conversation I was like, fuck, I didn't like prepare any questions or anything. And then I was like, we, we don't, we never go by it. Anyway, we always just end up having a conversation. I think this is a, um, a timely and important discussion that I felt honored to rope you into just because it's something that is so common and we see all the time. Um, and it's, you know, something that I think we can't not talk about when it comes to the body conversation. And this can show up in so many ways, but today's theme is actually when you're mad at your body and Leah, what would you, I mean, you coach women and humans all the time. What are some of the biggest reasons why people would be mad at their bodies? Yeah. Um, well, my biggest, uh, I guess, trigger for being mad at my body is uh, medical issues where I just feel like it's not like functioning how it's supposed to. Um, we also hear a lot about just like trying to like what it looks like, right. And like trying to lose weight or whatever to manipulate your body. And you're feeling like you're doing something wrong because your body doesn't look how it's supposed to look, or you feel like you're trying everything that you're supposed to be trying and you're not getting the result that you want. Right. And that's frustrating. <laughs> and it's like, what's wrong with my body? Um, you know, and there are, I also hear a lot, like, especially for women, we have to have the conversation around like pregnancy and like infertility, um, and sex and libido and mm. like so much that women get mad about their bodies for, um, yeah. And mental health things. And like the list is endless. I think about the things that we can be mad at our body for. Oh my God. 100%. I didn't even, thanks for adding in that one about libido and just women being frustrated with themselves in terms of that. Cause very often that can feel like a, oh, what's wrong with me? But that totally translates to a being angry with your body for not like, okay, we want to, but you're not cooperating with me as well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that you have medical frustrations. Would you mind kind of filling us in on what that looks like for you? Yeah, of course. So, um, it has been a really, really long journey for me. I have started experiencing various symptoms and issues. Um, in my early twenties, I think like 23, 24 was when I really started to become very aware of what was happening in my body. And I'm now 38. So it's been, I don't know the math, 15, basically 15 years now. And, um, various ailments I've had digestive issues. I've had joint issues, um, just, and just persistent low grade chronic pain. And, over the years, it has been something that I have spent an exorbitant amount of time and energy on trying to figure out. And um, ultimately, I was uh, diagnosed with fibromyalgia after years of pursuing that. Um, I've also been diagnosed with anxiety, which is fun. Um, and all my digestive stuff actually was a result of something called SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which can be fixed with a round of antibiotics, but it took me 10 years to figure that out. <laughs> Yeesh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's just been a lot and it's never been anything that was, you know, like life-threatening or like necessarily impeded my life. It made things like maybe a little bit more challenging or uncomfortable, but it wasn't, um, you know, a massive inconvenience or it didn't, you know, now looking back, I, I can see how it did impact my life more than it did. But in the moment, it was just like, okay, we're just toughing through this, like making our way through it. But um, yeah, it's been a wild ride for sure. My most recent discovery was that, um, you know, I'm going in for my second hip surgery and I have been dealing with hip pain um, since my early 20s. So it's been 15 years. 
multiple doctors, multiple orthopedic surgeons, like everybody just kind of pushing me off. And it turns out I actually had like a defect in my hips that they think was like it it's very common for it to manifest during like a growth spurt. So like usually around the ages of like 10 or 12, where your like growth plate in the ball joint of your hip kind of goes a little crazy. And so I've like literally had like a defect in my hair yeah. that I've been um, dealing with for 15 years before getting any answers. Um, so yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot to be with. And thanks so much. And I know that that has when, when we say being mad at your body, I've seen firsthand just in knowing you and having conversations with you, kind of what that's looked like you actually, there's just something that I want to touch upon, but you saying like, in hindsight, I can see ways that it, it impacted my life that maybe during the time I didn't see. And I think that that's because feeling mad at our bodies, even when I say that sentence, it sounds like an intense kind of intentional thing, but it, it can kind of be like a thing that plays on low volume and just kind of increases over time. And I feel like we grow so comfortable in our discomfort or at least content in our discomfort. So it's, I think it's worthwhile to look like what, what could I be angry at my body for? And what does that look like? What did it look like you being mad at your body? How would that show up? Yeah. I mean, I would say frustration was like the primary emotion and, um, it really, it made me like second guess myself and mm. like think that, you know, cause medical gaslighting <laughs> is a thing. Right. And feeling like I was crazy, like, yeah. like, why can't we figure this out? Like, is there actually something wrong with me? Um, wishing that I had like an owner's manual <laughs> for my body. Right. Of like, I have tried all of these things and nothing is working. Um, I would go through, I had a, a cycles I would go through where I would get really fixated on like trying to solve it and fix it. And like, whether that was changing my diet, changing my exercise, um, seeking out more healthcare, getting a second, third, fourth, whatever opinion I needed advocating for like more testing, you know, really, really pushing. And then I wouldn't get anywhere. I wouldn't see a difference. And then the pendulum would swing the other way where I would just be like, okay, fine. I give up and like stop caring and get really apathetic about it. Yeah. And you kind of burn out on it for exactly. sure. Cause it's exhausting. It um, is exhausting. It is so exhausting. Especially for someone with anxiety, by the way, like yeah. making all the appointments and like all the, there's so many moving components for sure. Yeah. And then I would sit in that apathy, usually honestly for like a couple of years before yep. I would get to the point where I was so frustrated or in enough pain or whatever to spur the cycle again of like, okay, let me try something. I need some kind of relief and then go down that path again. So like looking back, I had these like bursts of like trying to solve it and like doing all the things and then just never getting anywhere. And honestly, I would get to the point where I'd basically just start abusing my body, <laughs> like, mm. like self-medicating or like trying to push through the pain or, you know, like just override what my body's trying to tell me. Cause I can't figure you out. So I'm just going to ignore you. <laughs> totally. Right. <laughs> Literally like a relationship, like a marriage of like, Ugh, you're not going to communicate with me anyway. So I'll just go fuck myself yep. or whatever <laughs> for sure. When you said, um, medical gaslighting and how that's a component. I was just going to comment like, uh, that's a whole other conversation, which it is, but it's also super involved in this conversation as well. There have for sure been instances in my life where I've been in a doctor's office and because maybe they don't have the answers that I'm looking for. And they're kind of saying one of my biggest pet peeves in the medical field is when you are in some form of pain or something's going wrong, you're getting testing done and they come back and they're like, good news. Everything came back normal. And you're like, uh, I don't see how that's good news because you're just telling me we don't know what's wrong yet. Like, you're not telling me I'm fixed and I'm I am telling you that I'm in pain. So of course that gaslighting and literally the definition of gaslighting is like convincing yourself that you live in this other world where like you are in the wrong or whatever, that totally attributes to feeling frustration or anger towards our body because we make our bodies wrong and not like, we always talk about treating your body with the tender love and care that you would like an animal or a small child. And if your animal was sick, you're not going to be like, Oh, fuck you animal. And you're going to be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry that you're sick. Let's do whatever we can to, to make you feel better. You know what I mean? But it's, it's so interesting how, when it's us, 
it's instantly this frustration. And I totally resonate with the cycle of the apathy and then the pendulum swinging until you're in way too much pain. And then you have to do something. And then it becomes just an emotional roller coaster, 100%. Well, and the irony is that it's like such a stressful experience. And like stress is like literally one of the worst things that you can (laughs) do for your body. And like it tends to exasperate health issues. And so it's just, it it just makes everything compound and worse. And yeah, I love that you point out that we're we're so much better at advocating for other people or things or beings, you know, even think about like with my husband, if he has something going on, (laughs) (laughs) he does something about it. And I don't necessarily do that for myself as easily. Um, and the other thing, like I think about like what's coming up for me when I think about relationships also is like my husband often forgets like how much pain I'm in or like what I'm experiencing because I'm so used to just like living with it. It's my normal, you know, it's just like, okay, it is what it is. Right. That I don't, I stop like vocalizing that. Right. 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 And so I don't even give him the opportunity to advocate for me either. Mm. Right. Of like, I'm yeah, I, I don't have anybody. Cause I just don't communicate it because it's just, it is what it is. Right. 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 And that self-advocation I think is something that people don't think, at least this is how I used to operate. I didn't think I had the right to, or like, I wasn't smart enough to advocate for myself medically. Like, that's truly what I thought. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. So like, it's, I just must be wrong. And my body just must be wrong. Yeah. The issue I had with, um, especially doctors and advocating for yourself in the healthcare setting is that they were authority figures, right. And like experts and they know what's best and how, who am I to know? Like they, this is their specialty. Like if I'm talking to an orthopedic surgeon and like, he's telling me nothing's wrong with me, then like, okay, I'm like inclined to believe him because he's got decades of education and experience and like, you know, and so we're, we're, we often minimize that intuition that we have about what's happening in our body because some, you know, old, rich, white, smart guy said that we're crazy. Right. hundred percent. Um, and so it's really hard to overcome that and like realize that medical professionals are humans too, and they're fallible and they're often operating off of like a very narrow scope and not like looking at the big picture or operating off of old dad, like old medical science, like talking about weight science here. Don't get me started on that. Um, or, you know, they, they don't have, um, yeah, they just, they're human, I guess is is the point. And that doesn't mean, mean their opinion weight should weigh any heavier than yours. That is so true. That's such a good point. And that's actually something that I wanted to get to is like each medical professional that you converse with, it is a human who like, had a bad drive to work that day and like had a mentor who maybe didn't have the best like knowledge or morals or whatever. Like we're all learning from different books and just different people. And we have different priorities and beliefs and all this stuff. And that can be so defeating too. This is quite personal, but it's my intention to create this podcast and live community and one that I can trust and be vulnerable with. But, um, I, for as long as I've been sexually active, I've gotten UTIs and it used to be something that like, if I, if I did a a certain number of things, I would be fine. And, um, it's, it's really ramped up in the past few years so that it, it makes it difficult for me to have intercourse knowing mentally that I will likely be preparing for a UTI. It just makes it about something else entirely. And it's, it's frustrating. And I certainly get mad at my body. I get mad at my body for dictating such an intimate piece of my relationship. When in hindsight, going through therapy and going to see doctors and things like that, and that's where so much of that experience comes from. I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten. Good news. (laughs) Came back normal. And I'm like, it's not good news. I am trying to have carefree sex with my husband. Okay. It's not good news. Like you're not telling like the last one is cured. Sure. But like the next one will happen. Like what is happening to me? And I would get so frustrated and the, I got so many opinions about it. Like just people saying different and often contradictory stuff when it came to like, what was going on with me. 
And one of the things through therapy that I learned, and this, you know, I have no scientific proof of this, but this is something that bodies are predictable to do, but it could actually be a trauma response from something traumatic that I experienced a few years ago. It's, it's literally my body trying to protect me. So it's, is my anger towards the the impact of this ailment valid 100% but when you really peel back the layers and look at what's going on this is my body doing its best to try to protect me and that just breaks my heart dude it makes me want to like just hug my body for 2 hours straight just cuz it it really is to its core so sweet but i i remember speaking to someone on the phone and they were so nonchalant about the information they were giving me and they just very casually on the phone, they're like, yeah, so it, it's just looking like you're just no longer going to be able to drink coffee. And uh, it's looking like you're just every time after you have sex, you're going to need to take a shower. And I was just kind of dumbfounded on the phone a little bit. I was like, you just kind of told me two huge pieces of information. That's like, I can never drink coffee again. And I have to prepare for a shower every time I want to like, those are lifestyle changes. There goes spontaneous sex for you. (laughs) No more spontaneous sex. And like, I'm navigating a sober journey and for sure my caffeine intake has uptick since then. So that was like, there was like a whole other vice that was being taken from me. And she was saying it, it was so like, she was telling me like, yeah, it's Wednesday and the sun is shining. And I am on the phone and I start to cry. And I was just like that. I can't believe how, is this your, I didn't even like know who I was talking to. And it was such a frustrating thing. And I felt so defeated for such a long time. And thank goodness, I went to a, um, a urologist eventually, and she basically debunked all of that information. And that is why that profession, it's so important to the, the people and the personalities that are being drawn to those professions, because this woman told me everything that I needed to hear. Like it's, it's literally like she like dipped into my brain, got all the consent in the world, gave me all the space in the world, all the space to like, we can sit here in awkward silence for as long as you need to, to like, think of the questions that you need to think of to ask me. She told me that like, none of this was my fault, that none of it was my partner's fault, that like, this is just what some bodies do and it's totally fine. And hearing those words from a professional wildly changed my relationship to my body. And that's, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big responsibility to have. Yeah. I had the, I had a very similar experience once I finally got, um, a good healthcare practitioner. I, I, um, hooked up with a, a naturopath actually, cause I was so tired of the strictly Western medicine approach of things that wasn't getting me what I needed. And Definitely. it was the same where he actually spent like I was in his office for like over an hour, the first meeting, which unheard of. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) Usually you go into the doctor's office and it's like a get in, get out, like, okay, okay, okay. Like next, right. You, You kind of feel like it's a cattle call, but he spent the time to like really look and take a step back and look at all of the symptoms and not just like fixating on one, but he's like, you know, they may be connected. There's gotta be, you know, something else happening here and taking that time to really understand and like come up with a strategy and like asking for consent. Like, how does this sound? Are you okay with this? Are you comfortable with this? Does this feel like a good game plan for you? And like checking in so much, it was such a, really, I think I like cried just because of just like the relief and feeling heard from somebody. Oh, I was sobbing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And like, ultimately when I finally did get like an actual diagnosis, it was like so much relief, like, especially like with the fibromyalgia diagnosis and the hip diagnosis, like, okay, I finally have an answer. And when I got those answers, what I really realized was most of my frustration was not actually at my body as much as it was the medical like drama and everything that I had to go through. Um, and that was really where most of my frustration actually lied. 100%. And it actually goes both ways. Cause can that be something that attributes to like more anger and frustration towards the situation? Yes. But to your point, when you're struggling with something and you finally get some form of diagnosis or like validation or like some form of light at the end of the tunnel solution, whatever it is, that can be such a 
a healing and validating experience for so many people. I am certainly the person who same as probably so much worse than you, Leah. Like if, if anything is going on with my husband, I'm like, if it hurts that bad, you're going to the doctor. If you're not going to the doctor, I don't feel bad for you. But I'm the one person that's like, it'll be fine tomorrow. <laughs> like I'm just constantly trying to like push things off. And that can seem like easier in so many ways. Cause you're like, it's not that bad. And I'm kind of used to it by now. And I'm just so afraid if I go that something's going to be seriously wrong and it's going to like, you know, change everything. Like it's so normal and valid to have that fear. Um, but it also, like I said, can be so validating and helpful when it comes to moving forward, which even as we're talking about this and we already alluded to this earlier, I'm thinking about how often I've been mad at my body slash brain slash self for my brain for like mentally how I operate and how hard it is for me to schedule a doctor's appointment or whatever, or follow up or any of those things. I know you struggle with anxiety too. Of uh, Someone with a leaf blower is outside my window. Can you hear it? Just barely. <laughs> okay. It's getting louder. <laughs> you struggle with anxiety. Are you ever frustrated with yourself around that? So how my anxiety tends to manifest itself is like, I go into like over control freak, like mode and like hyper into like, I have to plan, I have to like get this stuff done. And so it's actually like fairly helpful when it comes to like the medical stuff. Cause I'm like, I just need to get this done. I like, and I stay on top of like my doctors and like asking for like results. And like, I'm like, I'm the squeaky wheel <laughs> when I'm like in that mode. Um, that's incredible. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. But I know that's not the case for everybody. Um, but that's just like my, I think it's just cause I'm a little bit type a and like, it just, it actually kind of helps in those situations. Um, and where it is a problem is when I'm spinning out about all of the different like scenarios of like, okay, if it, if I don't have the answers yet, like that limbo state of like, you've gotten all the tests done, but you don't have the answers yet that week. Like I'm basically a disaster because I'm like pre-planning, you know, all of the next steps. Like if I, you know, when I was going down the rabbit hole of figuring out my joint pain, one of the things was like, you know, is it rheumatoid arthritis or is it like this? And I'm like already looking at like, okay, what's my life going to be like if I have to, you know, deal with that for the rest of my life. And um, then that kind of just, you know, becomes exhausting as well and um, can lead to, you know, some depression and all of that. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> no, it, it totally did. And it is just, a. it just reminds me too, that, so I struggle with anxiety as well. I would say more so I struggle with depression and it's just interesting. And I'm sure validating for so many people to hear that even our experience is so different. My anxiety looks like I'm shivering in the corner, terrified by all my responsibilities. And I don't even want to like open my mouth to talk to anyone. That's how it looks like to me. So uh, the sticky note that reads like schedule appointment for this will like stay on my wall until months, like months. It's just, it's such a daunting task for me. And I super resonate with all the memes that I see of like, just finished a task today that I've been avoiding for six months. It took me 15 minutes. I'll learn nothing from this, from this scenario. Yeah. And that's just so me. And that's so how my brain works. 100%. Yeah. And my anxiety is like the opposite where if like, if I have things, if I have too many things on my to-do list, I'm like, I can't handle it. Right. And it was like, yeah. okay, like get some stuff done, like just hurry up and get it over with. Because I know it's only gonna take like five minutes and, um, right. you know, especially like the healthcare providers I'm using now, they make it really easy. I can like literally schedule online or like telehealth is really easy. I can like get same day telehealth appointments. Yes. Really, really fortunate that we have like really awesome insurance that is makes this easier for me. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, and I think part of it is also that I know the consequence of like pushing it off and like waiting. And like, I've, I did that for a long time and it didn't get me anywhere. So it's like, just let's figure this out, get it going, get it over with. Right. <laughs> totally. 100%. And I, when it comes to mental health, that is a conversation that I used to kind of try to keep separate from the body conversation. Cause in many ways it is, but I feel like it's a conversation I, I can't not have because my mental health has impacted the way that I feel about my body 
so often. And when you peel back the layers, it's the same conversation. I'll get mad at my brain or myself for um, being depressed for a couple of days in a row where I like the concept of opening up my laptop and doing work isn't even a thought that crosses my brain. It's like, I forget that I'm like a human who needs to make money and do things with my life. And it's so easy to be mad at myself or make myself wrong for that. But at the end of the day, when we look, it's a, it's a water in which we swim conversation, right? So it's like the being mad at your body. It's kind of like viewing yourself that things are supposed to go this certain way. And if things don't go that way, then you are wrong or, you know, there's, there's something wrong with you. And at the end of the day, it's, I didn't choose depression. I, I feel very validated by doctors and science that this is a chemical imbalance in my brain, as well as just my genetics. It, it runs in the family. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's definitely something that is prominent in my life. And for years, I tried to make myself wrong for it and decide that like I couldn't do and live the life that I wanted to live with that. And just being angry at myself and angry at my brain for like limiting me so much in my life. But at the end of the day, when I look at what's actually going on, which is healing from trauma, trying to balance a chemical imbalance, like it's, it's something that after the diagnosis, I was validated and had tools to move forward. It's something that I continue to struggle with. And I always have resources to know that there's something on the other side of it. I don't need to be bogged down by the shame of it all on top of the already shitty thing that is having a brain with depression. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think it's so important just to point out that like a lot of the things that we get mad about with our, our, body and our brain is part of our body, right? It's like, it's attached. It's in there, (laughs) but what causes the frustration very often is that comparison to what we should and shouldn't be doing or how we should be existing. You know, it's like living with fibromyalgia. I have to be super conscientious about, you know, my energy and like how much activity I can do and self-care and all of that. And so I know that that means I will probably never be able to like go on like a multi-day backpacking adventure. And the only time I get like sad about that is if I'm like out there comparing, you know, myself and like mm. on that versus like still being said, Hey, you can still go on day hikes. You can still have these fun experiences. You know, you have other ways of like, still you're, you're not, you know, you're still able-bodied for the most part, you know, there's, it's that comparison piece that is the thing that makes me feel like less than or frustrated more than anything else. 100%. And I think that that goes very well into the kind of one of the last things I wanted to talk about, which is probably the number one reason why people make their body so wrong, which is weight related or, you know, vanity related or whatever. And just to the point you just made, I think I've used this example before, but I used to be frustrated and mad at my body for needing, um, Spanx or not even Spanx, just like bicycle shorts because of chafing because of inner thigh chafing. I've had days ruined before because of chafing, because like, I literally can't think of anything else other than like how bad my thighs are burning. And for the longest time, I was so mad at my body of like, I'm, I'm so annoyed that I can't just be the girl that like throws on a dress, like how annoying. But then I think about like, I wear socks with my shoes, you know, like that's not a thing that I feel weird opinions about. It's, this is just bottom (laughs) socks for my bottom half of my body, you know, like it's, it it really is that comparison of like uh, skinny girls get to, you know, wear whatever they want and it's so easy and stuff. But then if you were to ask the quote unquote skinny women, they would say, well, women with big breasts get to wear whatever they want or whatever. Like it's, it is a constant never ending comparison game. And again, going back to that being, I would say one of the number one reasons why people are so mad at their bodies. It's very often, ugh, I'm so mad that I don't look closer to this be it a weight related thing or a, you know, cosmetic procedure related thing or whatever. But also I think one of the reasons why, I don't know, this isn't something that's a bit talked about more is because having that mentality towards yourself is so common and normalized, dare I say expected for us to feel about ourselves. It's almost weird if you're not mad slash frustrated slash critiquey in some way of your body. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think about like, um, you know, even if you have somebody that is totally loving and accepting their body, like I, Lizzo always comes to mind as like, you know, a self-love body acceptance kind of advocate in a large body she's critiqued for that even, you yeah. know, like now she's promoting obesity and like, she's unhealthy and it's like, I'm sorry, are you her doctor? Like, do you know her health status? Like, right. <laughs> but it's like, it's a, it's a no win situation. If you're trying to meet somebody else's expectations one way or another, that's 100% at the end of the day, mm-hmm. which I know that this is so much easier said than done, right? Of like the, your issues are stemmed in comparison. So just don't compare. Cause like we always have, we likely always will to some degree. So, oh my God, I had a client say something brilliant the other day. It was like, I'm butchering the phrasing that she used, but it was essentially like, how can you get out in front of it? If it's something that's constantly around you, like there's, there, you're never predictably going to get to this place. I mean, unless you decide to move away and like live under a rock and not be influenced by any form of media in any way, but like it's around us all the time, the kind of urge to compare. How do we untrain ourselves from doing that? Yeah. I think the goal is not to like stop comparing. I mean, obviously we want to like try and like compare ourselves less, but it's, we're hardwired biologically for comparison and like we as a human species, like one of our driving factors is to be loved and accepted and fit in with our peers. And one of the easiest ways to do that is external, like by our appearance. Right. And, um, the problem with that is that most of the images that we're seeing of human beings are like through the media. And it's this very narrow scope of like, what's an acceptable body type. Right. So one of the things I like to do is like, just acknowledge that like, oh yeah, there's that comparison popping up in my brain. Right. Mm. And there's a positive intention in that. Like my, my brain is literally trying to keep me safe. It's, it's trying to have me like fit in and be accepted. You know, you think about being like, if you're a herd of antelope and you're the one out there that's like overweight or injured or missing a leg, like you're the one that's going to get eaten by a lion first. And so like, we, we have that same kind of hardwiring in us. And so how we counteract that is like creating safety for ourselves and like reminding ourselves, Hey, actually, no, you are like loved and accepted and safe, even though you don't like look a certain way. Right. Um, and that your value is not in your appearance, like really connect to like what it is that you love about yourself and other people. And like when we're prioritizing aesthetics and like appearance, we're buying into society's values, mm-hmm. not right. Right. So is that actually in alignment with like your values and what right. you appreciate about other people and like start to like condition yourself to deprioritize the external appearance? 100%. And so often people hear that and they kind of go to the extreme of the opposite side of that coin of like, well, she's got nothing on me or I don't know, whatever people say. Um, and I think of like, I don't know, I I'm literally envisioning two little girls right now and they're both wearing a shirt that they're like amped on. And one of them goes like, look at my shirt. And the little girl's like, oh my God, I love it. Look at my shirt. You know what I mean? Like, what if we could compare? And I don't even know that that's the word that you would use, but what if we could celebrate other people's beauty and strength without that inherently being followed up by making ourselves wrong in comparison, but rather what if we could look at ourselves and be like, I'm super beautiful too, in so many ways, how cool for us. There's so much beauty in the world, you know? Yeah. I went to Cabo recently, um, last month and, you know, stayed at like this all-inclusive resort. And of course everybody's running around in like swimsuits of all different amounts of coverage in all different body sizes. And it was awesome. And like, I've I've done enough work on body image and like trying to, you know, obviously health at every size and like all of this, like body acceptance stuff for other people as well, that like, I look out at these women and I'm like, damn, she looks good. Or look at her rocking that. Man, she looks so confident or her energy is awesome. Like my, so in body, I love you. We talk a lot about like the first thought, second thought practice. Right. And like, I've gotten to the point where my first thought now is looking for that thing in other women that is awesome and old me, you know, five, 10 years ago, it would be the opposite where it would be like that comparison or that judgment or the, like, who does she think she is to wear that little? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. 
And so I just, I share that to like, I guess, illustrate to people that it is possible to start shifting that it does take time. It does take practice, but you can get to this point of like seeing the good in other people without it having to mean, you know, yeah, anything about you or comparing your bodies at all. It's just like all these bodies are out there existing and how cool, like how diverse we are. Yes. It's really so interesting, right? Right, exactly. And it's something to be celebrated, which at the end of the day, when we're talking about being mad and frustrated with our bodies, we're mad because of the things that make us different. When we're having a conversation about like how cool that we get to celebrate all the unique things about us. And I love that mental shift that you just described because holy shit, that is true, 100%. I used to walk around with the brain of like, who does she think she is like wearing this thing? And now I 100%, I audibly, I say it out loud just because it's, it's just naturally what comes to me. Anytime I see someone who I can tell that they have so much confidence or love for themselves, or they've done so much work on unlearning like societal beauty expectations and stuff. And they're just rocking things that genuinely bring them joy and like you can tell like this is this person's essence that they're wearing on their body like how cool I out loud say like yes or like whatever just because before it was like uh, how dare she and the how dare she if I'm finishing that sentence it's kind of like how dare she not conform to societal norms because everyone else has to whereas now we're celebrating of like she is a rebel with a cause. She is a fierce heart. You know what I mean? Like she has done so much cool work. And it that is something that of course I love to celebrate. I was just having coffee with someone um, earlier this week. And we were talking about this exact shift of like how, when you learn how to love and appreciate yourself, you put on different lenses. You're, you see the world through different eyes and you start to see the beauty and appreciation and other things as well. And it's shocking how prominent that is with this mental shift. So we're at coffee and just like seconds after we were talking about this, this woman walks in this coffee shop. She literally, Leah, took my breath away. I looked at her, I was like, Pff. and I just started laughing. I was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Never in my life has a woman walking in a in a coffee shop taken my breath away. That just happened. And I remember before I left, we were like walking out and I just kind of like got her attention really quick. I was like, you are a vision. Like I, you literally sent me when you walked in. I just really wanted you to know that. And she just, the look on her face, it was, she received it. She accepted it. She of course did the woman thing. And I believed her. I, I don't think she did this to be nice. I, I believe she was being genuine, but then gave me compliments as well. And it was, it was such a loving I just, I walk away from those encounters feeling giddy. I feel like that is the connection that is so cool to see. And it started from me learning how to appreciate myself so that I could then act that way with other people. Right. Yeah. I think it, uh, for me, it was almost like the opposite where like, I was harder on myself than I was other people. And like, I would not have I mean, yes, I, I did have judgments, but I like, I learned to be more accepting of other people before I learned to be accepting of myself. If that really, means. that's yeah. so interesting. I yeah. Because I was like, I'm such an asshole if I'm like judging these people <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't see that I was being an asshole to myself for judging. Yeah. No. Right. So it was easier for me to start with the looking for the good in other people and acknowledging like body diversity and like finding like actively, like I would challenge myself, even like going to Costco on a Friday night, like literally every single person I saw, I like would challenge myself to like find one thing that I like liked about that person. And then it was easier for me to be like, okay, you can do this for other people. Like now it's time to like put up the mirror and like start doing that for yourself. Um, and I mean, obviously like I, that's what I love about you. <laughs> you and I are so, so different. And yet the outcome is the same. It doesn't matter <laughs> so you true. Know, how you start attacking this. It's just about like, actively starting to like try and make those shifts for you. And I think about like this experience you had in the coffee shop, like what a beautiful way to go through life, right? Like it is so much more satisfying and pleasurable than going around with judgment or guilt or comparison. Like I, like I picture like a little cloud over your head, right? Yes. Versus like 
just being this like ball of sunshine and going through your day. Like it's just, it's beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I, cause that was something in my mind too, is like, it felt weird saying something to her. And I was thinking too, like, if someone had that thought about me, it would make my whole week if they told me that, like, what a beautiful thing. So it wasn't even just the win or the gift of the thought. It was me having the confidence within myself and just humanity in general to then like deliver that to her. It just felt, it felt so good. And to your point, it is, it felt like such a beautiful moment in my life. And I did feel so much gratitude in that moment of like, how cool that I get to do this. Like some people will never get to do this because they don't know that they can. And I think what this all boils down to is really just debunking thoughts or judgments that you have in your brain. And again, when we're peeling back the layers, acknowledging that your judgments probably come from a sexist, racist, ableist place. (laughs) You know what I mean? Anytime you're mad at your body, that is likely where it is stemming from in some way, shape or form. So I think it's just valuable to know that, to not only know that your your first thought or judgment isn't only wrong, but it was literally born of hate. And if you're listening to this podcast, that's probably not the direction that you're trying to take your life. It's This is literally called body, I love you, you know? <laughs> so I think to generate, to your point, Leah, that you said earlier, second thoughts. Um, for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, please go do so. I think I have actually done a couple breakdowns of that because it's just a valuable thought exercise, but really creating second thoughts that excite you that like if if you were to believe those thoughts in your world that is a world worth living it, it is a world that you feel excited and beautiful to live in and, and generating those second thoughts is such a way to slowly but surely and consistently reduce that toxic comparison that just leaves you feeling frustrated and defeated yeah and and to speak to the more like analyticals, like I'm type A analytical. That's what we love about you. One of the things that was really helpful for me was like actually looking at the research and the science. Like, so we started this whole conversation around like being mad that like our body isn't like losing weight or like looking a certain way. Right. And what really started to shift for me was like actually looking at the research of like what factors into health. Like is weight loss actually healthy? Is it sustainable? What is it doing for you? And like debunking things from that analytical standpoint. Um, I think it's like helpful to do like, you know, the emotional personal stuff as well. But like, if you're somebody that needs like facts <laughs> and things like go find them because they are out there. Look at all of the health at every size research, all of the, like, there's literally not a single study that shows that weight loss is sustainable long-term more than five years, not a single one. I was talking, I was talking to a gal earlier. Who's like, you know, going through some like fertility issues and like her doctors are telling you, you have to lose as much weight as you can before your, your next thing. And, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to sit here and play devil's advocate. I'm like, okay, can they show you the research? Can they show you the facts? Can they show you evidence that that is the thing that's going to help your f- fertility journal? And the answer is no. Right. And so if you find yourself getting mad at your body, right? First of all, the diet industry has us believing that our weight is more in control than it actually is. It's largely genetic and, you know, some other factors, diet and exercise plays a very, very small role but diet culture has us like feeling like, oh yeah, you can just like eat less, move more. And you too can have the body of your dreams. Um, but also looking at like your personal history of weight loss, like, is it, has it been sustainable? Has it been like an overall positive experience for you? And I have yet to meet a woman that's really like, oh yeah, it was like right. easy and like, I'm good. <laughs> How, how did it impact your mental health? 100%. Because that's another thing too, that diet culture has trained us into that. Like it, it should be a struggle. We should be suffering. And that is not a long-term solution. It's just truly not. 
there, even when it comes to, I know so many women that get mad at their bodies during their menstrual cycles. And I literally just reposted something this morning that I saw like scientists are sure now more than ever that when you go through the fluctuations of your cycle, it literally changes the matter in your brain, the gray and white matter. This is coming from someone who's 0% a scientist. I have no idea truly to its core what any of this means, but how our, our hormones and when we go through our cycles, it literally changes our body. So first of all, I just want to say, if you feel angry or frustrated with your body, totally. Yep. We're humans. That's going to happen. 100%. Please feel what you need to feel. And once you've done what you need to do to, to process that, please understand and to Leah's point, research and just understand and acknowledge what is actually happening because our, our bodies aren't not doing what we want them to because they hate our guts and they're trying to like fuck with us or something like it's everything our body does. It's for a very good specific reason. And I think when we open ourselves up to that through a place of curiosity, rather than what the hell is wrong with you, it just lends a totally different level of respect. Yeah. Like it's in your body's best interest to keep you alive and healthy. So it's It's only job. One of the things, like I get super nerdy with this. Right. And like, when I feel like I'm getting frustrated with my body, let's even take like this hip situation in particular of like during a growth spurt, what happened is I basically had a handful of bone cells that decided that they were going to be overzealous overachievers and like build some extra bone right? Like I love that perspective. (laughs) That's like literally all that happened. (laughs) Our body has billions and billions of things that are happening every single day to keep us alive and functioning. And yeah, sometimes they're going to get it wrong. Sometimes it's something's going to go awry. Like sometimes it's, you know, it's going to screw up, but it still always has like your best interest at heart. And like specifically when we're talking about weight loss, like losing weight, especially losing it quickly is a threat to your body's survival. It sees that as like, oh shit, something's happening. Like this is bad. And so it starts going through metabolic adaptation and doing these things to try and prevent and hold on to your weight and even like increasing your set point. So this doesn't keep happening and and think about it through that lens. It's like, okay, that is kind of, that that's sweet, cute. Thank you. <laughs> right. 100%. Yeah. And literally just even sometimes I'll take pictures of myself now and I'll look at them through a lens of myself from my brain, like five years ago or something. And I think like my five years ago brain would be mortified by this, this, and this. And it's just crazy that through exactly what you were speaking to. And I've learned so much from you specifically, Leah, when it comes to like our body's homeostasis and like how it it doesn't crave or need to like lose a bunch of weight all the time. Like we've been trained to, there are certain things in my body that I'm just like, it it's there. It must want to be there. You know, like it, it must need or want to be there for some reason it's there. Cool. It's, it's cool. And it's, what if it's not bad? And what if I don't need to look like Paris Hilton from 2002 and that's okay. You know? And it's also just one more thing that I want to say pain sucks. I'll be the first person to say that like pain blows hate it so much. And it's a communication tool from your body. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's when we see it through that lens, I think it's, it's just kind of a different conversation. Yeah. And you mentioned this earlier and I just, I really do want to reiterate it. Like allow yourself to feel the feels, allow yourself to be mad. If you have a chronic condition you're going to have for the rest of your life, like allow yourself to grieve the, you know, the loss of the life that you thought that you would have. and. Yeah sit in that suck and just be with it. You know, I think a lot of the times that toxic positivity comes in and it's like, oh, you should be grateful. You even have legs like, you know, um, that yep. you, can, you know, it, and, and it tries to, to minimize it. And that's, that's not helpful, you know, go through all of the feels and then I think come on through the other side and like, make sure you are building good support systems for yourself. Make sure you have, you know, a good healthcare team and, you know, therapists or friends or join Facebook groups for, you know, um, whatever you're struggling with. Like there's so many people out Mm. there that are willing to, you know, help and, and help you through this and share what they know and what works for them. Take it with a grain of salt, try stuff for yourself, but it can be helpful of like, I found out about, um, uh, I'm brain farting on the term, um, pain. It's, it's a pain management thing. Mm. 
um, like a psychological pain, pain reprocessing therapy. There we go. It's coming mm. out Friday, but I learned about it in a Facebook group. Just somebody randomly mentioned it. And so I went down the rabbit hole and like, it changed my life. Right. Really? Yeah. It's insane how effective it was for me. Um, wow. but I learned it from a Facebook group. So yeah. like get out there, find resources, experiment, you know, try all the things and, um, yeah, I guess build those support systems for sure. Cause it yeah. doesn't get easier if you're not going through it alone. Yeah. 100%. The last thing I will say, I had a really cool, uh, conversation in my sober call yesterday. We we're actually talking about grief and, um, someone, I'm pretty sure this is a Buddha or Gandhi. I'm so terrible that I don't know who said this, this interesting quote, but, um, attachment is the root of all suffering. And I think of, I think of like feeling attached to exactly like you said, Leah, like this, this certain lifestyle or this certain expectation or this certain life that you thought you would have looking as close to Margot Robbie as possible or whatever. Um, consider why you're so attached. What's the attachment for you? What's actually in it for you? Cause the goal isn't to actually look as close to Margot Robbie as possible. It's we get something from looking as close to Margot Robbie as possible. So just considering and getting curious about what that's all about. And starting from there, it's a process unlearning this very prominent anti-fat bias that we were all raised in. It is a long process. I'm still discovering new stuff every single day when it comes to our bodies and how we treat ourselves and how we treat society. So please have so much grace for yourself. Feel what you need to feel. Don't gaslight yourself or toxic positivity yourself into like not being a human. Um, do all the things. And there's another side to it as well. Yeah. Lee, anything else you want to say to people who might be feeling frustrated with their bodies? Um, I think, you know, really just having the utmost compassion for yourself and what you're going through and really learn to do that for yourself. And, and I think, yeah, knowing that your body wants you to feel good. It wants to feel good. It's not doing this intentionally. It's not doing this like, cause it's mad at you. It's just, it is what it is. And, um, yeah, we're here for you. Yeah. That is for sure. If anyone is uh, listening to this and you do feel like you're frustrated with your body in, in a way that we haven't described, please feel free to, to comment below or reach out or DM us or anything. We would love to support you. And we're, we're always here. Yeah. Leah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you and your brain. Mm, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you everyone for listening in. We will catch you next week. Mm -hmm.